This podcast brought to you by Hope 103.2. The Hope Book Club with Katrina Rowe and Natasha Moore. Because life's just better with a book. Welcome to the Hope Book Club with Katrina Rowe and Natasha Moore. In episode 19 of the Hope Book Club, we dive into some summer fiction with three books that have all been adapted for screen. Natasha has finally picked up Sally Rooney's hit novel, Normal People. Her second release is a story of two teenage friends who grow up to be star-crossed lovers in an on-again, off-again romance. The BBC is turning this one into a 12-part series. She's also been reading the apocalyptic zombie horror novel, World War Z, by Max Brooks, who wrote The Zombie Survival Guide. Brad Pitt starred in the 2013 movie. And for something completely different from that, I've been reading Little Women, the movie release starring Emma Watson, Saoirse Ronan and Meryl Streep. Plus, we'll discuss the books that were way better than the movie, or to put it less politely, the movie adaptations that were a steaming pile of garbage. But first, let's hear from Sally Rooney's Normal People. Marianne's classmates all seem to like school so much and find it normal. To dress in the same uniform every day, to comply at all times with arbitrary rules, to be scrutinised and monitored for misbehaviour, this is normal to them. They have no sense of the school as an oppressive environment. Marianne had a row with the history teacher, Mr Kerrigan, last year because he caught her looking out a window during class and no one in the class took her side. It seemed so obviously insane to her then that she should have to dress up in a costume every morning and be herded around a huge building all day and that she wasn't even allowed to move her eyes where she wanted. Even her eye movements fell under the jurisdiction of school rules. "'You're not learning if you're staring out the window daydreaming,' Mr Kerrigan said. Marianne, who had lost her temper by then, snapped back, "'Don't delude yourself. I have nothing to learn from you.' Connell said recently that he remembered that incident and at the time he'd felt she was being harsh on Mr Kerrigan, who was actually one of the more reasonable teachers. But I see what you're saying, Connell added, about feeling a bit imprisoned in the school. I do see that. He should have let you look out the window. I would agree there. You weren't doing any harm. Connell seemed to understand how she felt about school. He said he liked hearing her opinions. You hear enough of them in the class, she said. Matter-of-factly, he replied, you act different in class. You're not really like that. He seemed to think Marianne had access to a range of different identities between which she slipped effortlessly. This surprised her because she usually felt confined inside one single personality which was always the same regardless of what she did or said. She'd tried to be different in the past as a kind of experiment, but it had never worked. If she was different with Connell... The difference was not happening inside herself, in her personhood, but in between them, in the dynamic. Sometimes she made him laugh, but other days he was taciturn, inscrutable, and after he left she would feel high, nervous, and at once energetic and terribly drained. Today we're looking at Sally Rooney's Normal People. 
The Irish author's had a big hit with her second novel, the story of an off-again, on-again romance plagued by moments of disconnect and misunderstanding. Natasha Moore has finally got her hands on it. Have you read Sally Rooney's um, first novel, Conversations with Friends? No, not yet, though after reading this I feel like I'm going to have to go back and read everything she's ever written. Okay, which I think is two novels (laughs) and one essay. Yeah. Um, So I haven't read either of them. Uh, Let's just start with the two main characters, Marianne and Connell. Can you tell us about them? Yeah, so these, when we meet them, these two are teenagers. They um, are in their final year of school and they're very, very different, at least on the surface. Um, Marianne is uh, kind of the rich kid, so she lives in the mansion in town, but she's also the school weirdo and she has no friends and, like, doesn't really get the point of school. Um, and so she's a bit of a loner. Mm. Connell's mum is the cleaner for Marianne's mum. Um, and so Connell kind of comes to pick up his mum every now and then from Marianne's place. And so they kind of get chatting during that time. And Connell, you know, while obviously of a like different social class, like there's a class thing that plays out there. Uh, but he's also the popular cool kid at Is school. Is he like he's the jockey sporty, sporty and, kid? Yeah. Yeah. And he's, you know, they're both very intelligent, but they kind of have very different social cachet, I suppose. So they start talking and they discover that that the way that they talk to each other is very different to how they talk to anyone else um, and that they feel different around each other than they do around anyone else. Um, and so they kind of develop this relationship, but at least initially it's secret because, you know, she's she doesn't care what anybody thinks and doesn't kind of really talk to anybody at school. And he kind of has this reputation to protect and everyone would think it was weird if he was dating her. Mm. And so their relationship kind of starts out in this very private way, which even later on as they date and don't date and are together and, you know, like kind of become best friends, um, is always sort of a very private thing. Like it's just um, them figuring out who they really are, whatever that means, mm. via the dynamic that's between them. Is this like a love story for the younger generation? Does it give you a sense of the sort of relationship landscape for millennials? Yes, definitely. You have the kind of casualness and also the confusion. Um, it's not a kind of like Tinder um, <laughs> discussion, like, right. you know, dating apps or anything like that. You know, they both go up to university um, at Trinity College in Dublin um, and it's that kind of world of, you know, figuring out who they are and sometimes like being a bit pretentious as they try to like have their political views and um, figuring out adulting and, you know, relationships and how friendships and sex all plays out and, you know, who you actually like and who you want to come across as being friends with and kind of navigating that transition, I think, to adult life. Sounds more complex. I feel like things were simpler, you know, (laughs) when I was going through the whole thing. What keeps these two characters apart or what keeps them in their on-again, off-again relationship? What makes them off-again? Why can't they sort of connect emotionally and romantically and keep it together? Yeah, it's a good question. And I feel like if we knew that, we would know ourselves and humans in general. (laughs) um, So the way that the book is structured is very, you know, every kind of little section or chapter is kind of like, you know, two weeks later 
or seven months later Mm -hmm. or five minutes later or something. So it kind of goes through a bit to bit, but then flashes back and shows you what's happened in between. So you kind of expect they'll be together, but then they're not together. Um, Or you think they're not speaking to each other, but now they're best friends again. Um, And kind of those leaps... Um, and all the sort of miscommunications that happen along the way. I think I, that... I don't know if I could cope with this book. I think it would just rip my heart out. Though in some ways it's very gentle about it all mm. and you do kind of go, okay, I just want them to be together. Surely they should be together. But actually you do see how it's quite complicated for both of them um, as they both try to figure out, you know, a lot of it is about I think the title's really well chosen normal people because hmm. it's about them kind of going well am i am i like other people and when i'm with this person does that peg me as this kind of person whereas if i dated someone else does that make me more of a normal person because they have a kind of healthier um, outlook on life or relationship with others um, and so how influential our relationships can be in our lives. So they're trying to go, you know, because he kind of, if he hadn't met her, might have just gone off to a different university with his friends and not really kind of gotten into the things that he ends up getting into intellectually and vocationally. Like his whole life probably would have been different, a bit more like laddish and not so interesting mm. in a lot of ways. But then he kind of goes, well, am I the person I am with her or am I actually a more boring, like just superficial person than that and who do I want to be? Wow. So what did you think of her writing? Oh, the writing's brilliant. It's sort of a bit deceptively simple. Understated, I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That you don't – it's not an effort to kind of – you know, you don't have to like wade through the density, but the conversations are very – dense in that they contain a lot of what's really going on Mm. for each of the characters um and you know the conversations have like huge consequences like they can kind of take any sort of turn and they'll end up really understanding each other and feeling understood and loved or they'll end up breaking up because each of them is really misled over what the other person actually thinks (laughs) oh my goodness so what did you like about this Um, I really liked both the main characters. You know, they're kind of both imperfect and damaged in their own ways, Um, but I really liked them as individuals Uh, and I liked the tenderness of how they're both drawn and how their relationship is drawn. Like there's a lot of empathy for them even as they make really bad decisions and there's also some mental health stuff in there. They both kind of at different times get really depressed and kind of, um, you know, navigating that as a, you know, 19-year-old and um, figuring out what that even is um, and what can be done about it. So I think there are these like themes of like normality and identity and stuff, but that makes it sound so much more laboured than it is. I feel like it's really um, subtle and even hopeful in the way that it does all that. So I find it hard to say why I like this book so much. It's one of those ones like with um, Elena Ferrante's, you know, My Brilliant Friend series, the Neapolitan novels, or, um, you know, there are a couple of other books where I'm like, I really, really like this more than I can tell you. Okay. 
enough. Fair enough. Thanks so much for the recommendation. You're welcome. Well, next on the list is World War Z by Max Brooks. This is an oral history of the zombie wars. It was also made into a movie starring Brad Pitt. Uh, and Natasha, you've been reading a few horror books lately. What made you pick this <laughs> <Have> one up? <laughs> well, I was actually um, researching a public lecture I was giving on pessimism and the end of the world, um, which one of the books I read for it was Hans Rosling's Factfulness, um, which we've also talked about, which is a wonderful book. Um, and, you know, post-apocalyptic fiction was a relevant issue for this as well. Um, How do we picture the end of the world or, you know, these kind of um, like dystopian futures or um, apocalyptic futures. And so a friend had lent me World War Z and I, I mean, I really liked the movie, but I'd also, a friend had given me a full on rant about how the movie was nothing like the book. And here are all the ways that it failed to be the book. Um, And I was like, okay, okay, I should read the book. We need to have that conversation later (laughs) about movies that have failed to live up to their books. Yeah. Um, So this is written as like an oral history. So who's telling the story? Uh, so many, many, many different people are telling the story. All it's right. based on a book that apparently everyone knows, which I had never heard of, um, called uh, The Good War, an oral history of World War II. So okay. this is from the 80s and it's kind of interviews with all these people who were there in World War II and their experiences um, and won a Pulitzer and, you know, I guess has been influential in lots of ways. I've never heard I did. Okay, cool. It's not just me. <laughs> but this is me. kind of modelled on that non-fiction book Mm. so it's like okay um this guy the narrator who we don't you know hear very much about he kind of takes himself out of it but he's in the introduction saying um okay i was sent out after this zombie war so at some point the book's written about 2006 and the assumption is that this happened soon after that Mm -hmm. um that there was a virus um that reanimated uh, basically people who were dead who got the virus um, and makes them into zombies and it spreads around the world and the kind of apocalyptic scenario that is that. And this is happening kind of 20 years after the war uh-huh. um, and he has been tasked by the UN to go around and like interview all the relevant people and to write a report about, okay, well, we need to have a history of what actually happened. Um, and when he went to write it, the UN was like, no, 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 we just want, like, the facts. You know, all of this is way too personal and human. Um, and he's like, what do you mean? We need the human history. And they're like, okay, you can go and write the human history. That's fine, but we just need the report. And so this is, you know, hypothetically the human history of the zombie war that he writes. So how has the world changed since the zombies arrived? Is there still undead walking around in this current world or have they sort of conquered the zombies and moved on? Well, a lot of things have happened. Um, Some of them are really, you're like, oh, yeah, that's, I can see how that's obviously what would happen. And other things you're like, oh, I would never have thought of that, but that's so interesting. Um, So some of it obviously is the zombies themselves, which uh, the war has been won, Mm. um, which, you know, at one point it looked like, well, every person on the earth might end up as a zombie and it might be the extinction of the human race. Um, But gradually over years, they've kind of managed to regroup, establish safe zones and then push back and go through and kind of, um, there are places on earth that are now free of zombies, but there are places where there are still a lot of them. Um, And even things like they're on the ocean floor because nothing affects them. 
So, um, you know, they're alive in the ocean. They're alive, you know, they freeze in the winter in the snow, but then they reanimate when it comes to spring. I don't like the sound of of this place. (laughs) I don't want to go there. It's pretty, like, intense as a read. Um, It really doesn't hold back and it reads very realistically. But... You know, you have all these different individuals. You have, like, some who are just ordinary people and, you know, uh, this is what happened to them when the zombies came to town. Um, A lot of it is military, whether that's the Israeli military or, you know, people in um, a Chinese nuclear submarine or on the International Space Station or... So it's got a very vast scope, basically, from one end of the earth to the other. I think one of the main things that I really enjoyed about it was how non-Western-centric it was. Mm. But, you know, it's not just – there is a kind of – there's one section of the book that's like home front USA. So it's talking about specifically what happened in America. But everything else is kind of – it's all over the shop. Like, And the whole world has to, like, work together, which they do successfully at some points and not so successfully at others. But, you know, this is an everyone problem, you know, and – uh, it remakes the world radically in terms of Cuba is now the most um, successful economy. <laughs> Lhasa in Tibet is the largest city by population. You know, things change dramatically. I mean, that's the thing about apocalyptic literature is that even though it sounds silly, you know, a zombie war, often it does have, you know, a political message. Is Max Brooks making some serious points through this novel? Yeah, I think one of the points that he he was interviewed as talking about was thinking about America's isolationism or internationalism. So one of the points is that kind of idea of actually the experience of these people in Kyrgyzstan or these people in China or, um, you know, this thing that happened in India uh, is just as important as whatever happened in Montana or New York or wherever. So there's that message and there's also kind of, and this is often a feature of like post-apocalyptic novels, is this idea of this terrible, terrible thing has happened, but also for a lot of people there's a complicated sense of like, well, we pull together and figure out what's really important and have a real purpose that we share, like in wartime where people kind of look back strangely on wartime sometimes and go, I kind of missed that, that we had this purpose and we were that we had this solidarity. And so one of the things that happens is that um, people discover that their all the skills they thought they had in their high-paying jobs are suddenly utterly useless, um, that if you're someone who spent all day making phone calls and typing documents, then no one needs your skills. Yeah. <laughs> and what they do need is the people who can, you know, Farm clean or, toilets and, yeah. you know, yeah, um, grow crops and make shoes and all these things. And so the social scale flips dramatically. Nice. And that's difficult for people, but it's also that people go, oh, well, now I have a real pride in my work that I built this thing or I made this thing and that wouldn't have counted for much in our old world, but now I have a real pride in that and purpose in that. Yeah, this is why you should never own a Thermomix. You know, you won't <laughs> know how to cook when the zombies come. Yeah. Well, how are you going to cook mm-hmm. when the zombies come? Well, I will have no relevant skills at all, I don't think, oh, when the Natasha, zombies come. Natasha, start a veggie patch now, darling. And <laughs> I also feel like I need to learn to shoot a gun, right? <laughs> yeah, I'll, well, my husband could teach you that if okay. you lack like some assistance. I might. Yes. Okay. Uh, all right, so... 
Sounds like you enjoyed it, yeah? I did. It's great. It's really great. <laughs> it's intense. Um, there is a bit of horror in there, but it's really well written. <laughs> okay, I'm never going to read it. <laughs> but, oh, you know what? And there's also, you would like this, there's an audio book which has all these, like it has Alan Alder and Mark Hamill and stuff in it. So nice. they did it as kind of a um, a nod to the whole radio play thing, all these different voices. So I've heard the audio book is really good, Katrina. Okay. Okay. Yep. I, yep. I'd give that a go. <laughs> <laughs> That's Natasha Moore from the Centre for Public Christianity. We've been talking about World War Z by Max Brooks. So World War Z, of course, is also a movie. It's got Brad Pitt in it. And I thought this would be a good opportunity to talk about the movie adaptations that kind of butchered the books or, mm-hmm. you know, the situation where the book was way better than the movie, mm-hmm. which is usually the case. Usually the but case. But sometimes, you know, say so I think like The Book Thief, right? I really think that they did a good job of the movie. It didn't totally butcher it. Mm. Um, See, I haven't read or seen that. So <laughs> it's a good I'm movie. I'm unhelpful. The one, okay, my the ones that spring to mind immediately for me are The Girl on the Train. Mm. I loved the book. The movie was lame. Oh, Just, I hated the book. Didn't translate. I know oh. you did, but I loved the book. Right. And the other one was Time Traveler's Wife. Oh, right. Did you read that? Seen, I haven't read it, but I've seen it. Did you like the movie? I thought the movie was good. It was good, but not as good oh, as the book. Oh, interesting. Do you know what there I mean? Like it was an yeah. okay movie. It, okay. It, it, it was okay. It was distressing. I remember it finding it quite traumatic. So it was but a I lot think Time s- Travel is traumatic, isn't it? Well, it is. I think it's just a lot more serious. Is the book traumatic? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he suffers with yeah. his condition. Yeah. But it's... I don't know. I really enjoyed it as a book. I mean, the other one, of course, we have to mention is The Hobbit. Oh, sure. Because, you know, everyone says the movies aren't even worth watching. Well, I mean, I think the problem there was uh, eyes bigger than stomach or maybe the opposite. What's the opposite of that? that you know, because <laughs> stomach it's not bigger than that, eyes? It's not that the um, – that they couldn't make a good movie is that they decided to go too far and make it into this massive Lord of the Rings thing instead of honouring yeah. what the, the Hobbit is. was. Yeah. yeah. Well, what's your one? What do you think is the movie that butchered the book? Or See, I thought I'd find this question really easy because I'm like, obviously the book is almost always far superior <laughs> to the movie. But then when oh, I was trying to think course. about actual ones, I was like, hmm... Hmm. And the only one that really sprung to mind, which is maybe controversial, is Harry Potter. Not that I hate the movies. Um, and the later ones, I think, are actually like they have some really great moments and stuff. But, you know, the books are so – there's something so enchanted about the books and I feel like there's a real loss of that enchantment in the movies, that it, they're a bit kind of perfunctory, especially the early ones. So the thing is – I really like the Harry Potter movies. Do you? But I didn't read the books first. <gasps> Interesting. Because I, you know, I was holding out on the books. I was waiting <laughs> to read them when I had children. You watched all the movies? Yeah, I did. And I then all the read movies. all the books. No, I haven't read all the books yet. Oh, I've only Katrina. read. Katrina. <laughs> I know. I know. How have we got this far? Because, okay, because I've read the first three. <laughs> and then um, they, got, they get really thick and I just haven't had time. Oh, wow. I know. Oh, wow. Okay, well, this is what you're doing this summer. You know this, right? Well, I'm not what coming I... back in until, <laughs> <laughs> until you've read Harry Potter. Natasha, what I do is I read them, like, 
I, I intercept them. I read a couple other books and I read Harry Potter. Okay, okay. Do you know okay, what I mean? Okay. But yeah. it's just that they, they get so chunky. It's like, when am I going to have time to read but that? Then, I need to be on holidays. See, you think that, but, if, but because it's Harry Potter and because they're so addictive, actually you don't need the time that you think you do. Well, I don't want to read till 3am and then get up <laughs> at 6 and come to work. You do if you're reading Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm scared of. Uh, uh. I'll be so grumpy. <laughs> So, I mean, while we're being upfront here, what else haven't you read that I would be horrified about? Should we get everything out on the table here? Well, okay, this one's relevant. So, um, you know, there's a movie of Little Women. Uh, It has some big name stars in it, like Mm, Emma mm -hmm. Watson. Hey, Harry Potter, relevant. Meryl Streep, (laughs) exactly, Uh and Tisha Ronan. Um, And so the thing is that I I actually um, – I hadn't I hadn't read little Look, written. I think that's um that's that's not as bad as the Harry Potter. <laughs> so I mean to be fair, I should say with little women, I did read it as a kid a few times, but there are two things that people mean when they say little women. There's book one, which is like little women. Yes. And then there's Often people say little women and they mean little women and, and good, wives. good wives. That's true because and people so, approach them as one And book. I didn't realise this until there was that Friends episode. Do you remember the Friends episode where um, Joey and Rachel exchange books and Rachel lends Joey little women and he like – and then they ruin their, the books for each other. Like she's – I don't know. Can we do spoilers here? Yeah, well, yeah, well, little women. Yeah, everyone yeah, knows okay. what happens. <laughs> she's like, Beth dies. And he's like, what? What? And I'm a bit like – I was watching this and I was like Beth doesn't die she gets sick but she gets better because in the first book of Little Women she gets sick and she gets better yeah that's right and she doesn't die until the second one and I haven't read the second one you haven't read the second one no I haven't either that's what I was gonna say so I've read Little Women so we totally have read Little Women and then we're all right (laughs) but I haven't read Good Wives so I just read Little Women Mm Ahead of another Little Women movie that came out earlier in the year, the um, series, the series that came out. No, there was, a, was there was actually a movie, another Aww. movie, but it was a modern day setting. When I read Little Women, all I want to say about this is, if you haven't read it, go and read it. It is such a good yeah. read, yeah. and um, I have actually bought a copy of it for my twelve year old because when I'm reading, I'm thinking she so needs to read this. <laughs> like, like I I relate to the Joe character. Obviously, she's oh, a writer. Blah yeah. blah blah. Yeah. Um, but I feel like my daughter really could learn a lot from her because Jo is also trying to master her bad temper, mm. you know, mm. and learning to be less explosive. And I feel like every teenager kind of could connect with that part of Jo's personality. Although, I mean, the thing that stays with me really strongly from that book is the point where, you know, Amy burns Jo's book. Yeah. And I, like, I know it's fiction and I know that Joe forgives her because, you know, that's that whole falling through the ice thing. She nearly dies, yeah. yeah. But I actually, I'm not sure I can forgive Amy. It's so awful that she burns Joe's book. I'm so outraged by it. how can you forgive Laurie as well? What do you mean? Well, because, like, he... Oh, for marrying... Yeah, but but see, I thought that, but then the series that came out last year showed this really well because I haven't read Good Wives. Maybe it makes sense in Good Wives. Yeah. I always assume that Joe and Laurie do love each other, and that they, you know, that he loves her for sure. Well, he loves her, yes. But then when I saw that series, I was like, oh no, Joe actually doesn't love him and is okay with him going and marrying Amy. 
Like that's oh, but actually... she's not. She's furious. When is she? Yeah, when they when they meet up again and and um and he tells her, she is just mortified, but she just swallows her pride because she realizes mm. the hypocrisy of her position. Okay, but neither of us have read the book where. No, we no, I'm making that, that okay, up. Yeah. From the movie. <laughs> We should. Welcome to the Hope Book Club. We read books sometimes. We talk about books that we have Okay, the point of this discussion was to say that I, I, you know, I read Little Women. I never was interested in it as a young person or as a child. My mum kind of dished it because, you know, she didn't like the bit where she cut off her hair and all that sort of stuff. But there is so much in it for the modern (laughs) woman. I think. And even though in some things attitudes have changed, you can love these four girls and you can relate to their struggles. And particularly from a spiritual point of view, there's opportunities for growth there without it being too preachy. Well, I really hope that your daughter enjoys it as much as you want her to. I doubt she'll read it because she only (laughs) reads like post-apocalyptic YA. (laughs) But maybe one day in the future when she's going through a tough time, she'll pick it up. (laughs) <laughs> and she'll read my inspirational message in the front and think, we thanks, boys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably after I'm dead. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, I hope you have enjoyed this edition of the Hope Book Club. In this episode, we have reviewed Normal People by Sally Rooney, World War Z by Max Brooks. I, um, I, I, I feel like I can't say World War Z because I feel like no, it's, I think it's, you know, it's an American book. It's an American book. To honor, they wouldn't honour it if we were. I know, I know, it, I know. But we should. Yeah. I just felt like I needed to clarify that people came. Why is she saying C? Yeah. Um, and Little Women by Louisa May Alcott. Uh, and thanks so much for listening to the Hope Book Club because life's just better with a book. Thanks for listening. Start your day with life words. Subscribe to Hope 1032's free daily email devotional at hope1032.com.au.